One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, we have the amazing Brad Hay. Hey, Brad. Hi, Danny. See what I did there, Brad Hay. Hey, Brad. It's clever. I know I've never heard that before, actually. I'll show you That's haven't. great. Boom, boom, boom. So, Brad is a teacher of the Vedic arts and Ayurvedic specialist. Do you want to tell the listeners a bit about what that is? Yeah. Boy, it's hard to pull that one out in a, in a minute or so, but the Vedic arts really are the yogic arts, you know, and I say the Vedic arts so I don't say I'm a yoga teacher because we kind of get grouped into stretching classes into a gym kind of a category. Mm. So the Vedic arts really um, are a combination of the, the teachings from um, the great Vedas, which is this great wisdom from um, native India which involves uh, classical yoga, which mm-hmm. is Patanjali yoga, the in-depth teachings on the mind and psychology, and then how to sort of link to spirit through, through mind and all these obstacles we face. Mm. Uh, tantric yoga is a part of it, or tantra in general. And mm-hmm. again, I don't say I'm a tantric teacher because that always gets very mis, um, misread. <laughs> but tantra is a world, it's a comprehensive system of, of many, many teachings, you know, where the sexual element that's been exploited is but a small part of it. Right. The rest of it's Mm. on how to live life in the ultimate way, how to really thrive in life, uh, mastering energy, mastering uh, the mind, mastering life, mastering your individual life, you know. So there's all these teachings and Mm. practices, which is what people know mostly is the tantric hatha yoga practices of postures and breathing techniques and meditation techniques and there's, there's many facets to it. So mm. I teach the broad spectrum of this. You mm. know? And then Ayurvedic mm. medicine is the um, ancient healing science from India, the oldest on the planet. And it's uh, one of the most comprehensive, sophisticated medical sciences known to us. You mm. know? And it's holistic. So it's a world of information in itself. So it's a very broad, as you can already see, it's a very broad spectrum of teachings. Mm. Mm. It's been many years of study and we just hone in and, and, and guide people with whatever one of those is needed at the time. Have you used any, or do you use that in your own kind of recovery with alcohol? Or was that, was your recovery with alcohol what led you down that path? Yeah, it was really, it was interesting in the earlier days of, you know, rehabilitation, which was about 22 years ago now, 1999 is when I had my big transitional point with with drugs and alcohol. Initially, it was a 12-step program, you know, and I was already a yogic practitioner, 
in a milder degree, but the 12-step program was the initial teachings. But once I got out of that, and without sounding critical or judgmental against it, I felt like there was more. Mm. I felt like it was a little bit of a fear-based program. And I was actually presented with yoga at the, in the same year in a more in-depth way. And uh, very quickly became apparent that that was going to be the system that I was going to live by and that was going to heal me mm. deeper than any other healing uh, modality that I, I'd ever known about. Mm. And I uh, healed to the core where I didn't have to rely on my whole life being a relapse prevention program. I wanted to thrive beyond that. So that's what it gave me and that's what it's given me today. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It's been my whole last 20, 25 years. So could you tell us a bit about your journey with alcohol, like when you started? Wow. It was pretty early, you know. It was pr- I had a, an older brother. I had an older brother. I say I had because he, he passed away about 15 years ago from suicide. Oh. Um, and he introduced me to alcohol, like many other crazy things and older brothers. I guess about 13 you know, I, yeah. I kind of, I vaguely remember having like two, I believe they were Melbourne. I don't know. I won't advertise beer companies, but it was like some pretty classic Australian beers. And then I remember drinking them and feeling funny for a minute and dizzy and then throwing up for the rest of the evening. So that was really kind of my first <laughs> memory of alcohol, early teens, I would say. And then it just progressed through my teens. I, you know, growing up in a small country town, it was pretty, I think growing up anywhere in Australia, it's pretty... Um, apparent you're going to be confronted with you know mm. partying and, and drinking what country town did you grow up in i grew i actually grew up in benalla victoria country ah, victoria I'm from Cas- castle maine oh is that right yeah, yeah. so actually not, not really near there but still i get it little country, country town, victoria like, yeah like, exactly like, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just progressed i was actually a pretty healthy together kid mm. but as as um time went on in the teens and I guess sort of the suppressed things from childhood started to present and come out even more. I was looking for, and, and I was sort of a somewhat confident kid, but somewhat shy and suppressed. Mm. So the alcohol, I guess, started to give, you know, this liberating feeling. So I was partying on weekends and, and um, binge drinking was the initial thing. And, mm. and I, I used to throw up a lot. You know, mm. I'd have a fun time for a minute and then I'd be in the toilet throwing up for mm. at the blue light disco. You know, you'd sneak out and drink the little... <laughs> rum down the river and two cans of Coke and be great for an hour and then just be completely throwing up for yeah, the rest yeah. of the evening. So, yeah. so that was sort of through the teens. And then um, we moved to the Gold Coast when I was 15, 16. So right mm. in the pinnacle of teen years and mm. experimenting and all that. And then boom, let's just move to the Gold Coast, mm. which back then big was... change um, from Benalla. A big change. You know, <laughs> we'd holidayed up there every year before then. So it was kind of a dream come true for me. And it landed me in the surf culture. I was really... I felt like I was a surfer born in the country you know yeah mm-hmm. so we got to the gold coast i wanted to be in the cool crew and i was you know i was always in the cool crew but i got i was really sort of pulled in then and mm. and then it really began you know to another level partying mm. and drinking out in the clubs and you know getting into the clubs i had a hairy chest so i could get into clubs when i was 14 15 <laughs> so <laughs> but it just started you know the weekends mm. you know it started on weekends and binge drinking and just um i was a blackout drinker too I was a blackout drinker, which I haven't thought about for a while. But um, so lots of that for Mm. years, partying, lots of fun. You know, there were a lot of fun times then, but a lot of cringy sort of moments of not remembering and then being told what you did the next day. And Mm. it was just always like, ah. Isn't it (laughs) that difference between when you're younger and you have all these, the blackout nights and all that, it's kind of, you can laugh it off and it's so new too, I think. So you're kind of like, oh yeah, and the kind of, the drunker and the more pissed and crazier you were, it was kind of funny. And then as you get into your 20s, it's still a bit funny, but not so funny. And then into your 30s, it's becoming kind of... Yeah, if you're still blacking out in your 30s... Um, yeah. Wait, yeah. in 40 and blacking you've out. Overdone, uh-uh. You've overdone the expiry date of blackouts. <laughs> your oh, friends are getting over it by then. Yeah, and I mean, mm. you meant to have grown up a bit, hopefully by then, so it does mm. start playing more. And then you just, you know, the guilt kicks in and... Mm. And and then it starts getting a bit dangerous. Like, mm. what are you getting your vehicle and blacked out and drive home? Which I have done. You know, yeah. I woke up at home and gone, how did I? How to get home? Yeah. Shit, the cars in the front yard. Yes. Horrible. I look back now and I cr- now I cringe and just think, oh my god, I'm I'm just lucky I didn't kill anyone, including yeah. myself. Like it's unbelievable. You Isn't know? it horrible so when you reflect? Wild. Oh, it's wild. When you reflect on those moments and you're like, holy shit, you know. I had one recently <laughs> where I re- just it came to me where I remembered being in Belgium with Ash, um, and we're all drinking you know those really strong beers you had mm. in 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 Belgium that you get, Dark ones, yeah. and 
I think, yeah, we had both kids then, but they were little. And I remember taking them home or just barely remember that, but I don't remember the walk home or getting them home, but I remember waking up at about two in the morning wow. as you do going, oh, fuck, where are my kids? Where are the kids? <laughs> and then looking up and they're, okay, they're over there next to me. But I, I felt like, wow. and then, you know, going to the bathroom, did I brush their teeth? Okay, the teeth are, is Ari, you know, has Ari got a nappy on? Like all these things you're running through and you just feel like the shittest parent. <laughs> and then thinking the other day, I was talking to Ash about it, like, I mean, anything could have happened. I was obviously yeah. that drunk that I couldn't remember. It's just horrible. It really is. Yeah, I can't. I I, I managed to get it all out of the way before children many years before. Yeah, that's. Lucky. I didn't become a dad till forty two, so I'm, I'm yeah. grateful I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know how I'd handle it waking up oh. like that with a child. It'd be just. It'd be yeah. It's the worst level, thing. <laughs> a good catalyst to get you on, but that's where you, that's where it's yeah. not fun anymore. That's where it's yeah. it's not kind of a laughing matter, and you're like, holy shit, you know. Anyway, I yeah. digress. Yep. So you're <laughs> in the nightclubs with your hairy chest. <laughs> Harry Chester, nightclub guy. Um, yeah, you know, and then it sort of led to, I, I was a musician. I'm still, a, I'm a bedroom musician now, but I was a musician playing in bands. And so that was mm. a big part of our scene. I was a surfer musician. And back then the image of surfing was different than now. Now mm. it's like millions of dollar contracts. Back then it was mm. then how long can you grow your hair and how shit face can you be mm. and do the craziest stuff in front yep. of everyone. So that was the culture that, you know, the 80s and yes. 90s. So the clubs grew into party drugs, you know. I kind of remember the first few times doing, you know, amphetamines and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is cool. This is better than alcohol. You mix that in alcohol. That's amazing. Mm. You can stay awake and be hammered. This is cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, plus being a bit of a shy musician, it really helped me play on stage. I was really, mm. I was really um, self-conscious playing live unless I was partly hammered, you know. Yeah. So it gave me this newfound confidence of going out, you know, picking up girls, whatever, you know, all your troubles and all your insecurities just get shoved aside for a minute. So yeah. I can be who I truly am. It's not who I truly am, but you kind of think it is at the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, progress, you know, weekends again, that went on for a long time. The weekend partying and binge drinking turned into, you know, then the dance club scene sort of rocked in the 90s. So we sort of, tr- we transitioned from surfer club guys to the, you know, the more dancey orientated drug clubs mm. um so that just got more and more and then it became an every weekend bender you know yeah. that was just part of the week you probably mm. well for me it was you know my work i was a builder carpenter back then so i, I wasn't super happy with work it was just what you did i you know became a carpenter out of school and did it so you'd sort of hate all week and just wait for the weekend where you could let loose and mm. um and then we'd go do it. But it slowly got more and more. And then, you know, and I was smoking weed a heck of a lot back then too. And the weekends started happening during the weeknights. Mm. And then the amphetamines would kick in during the day, Monday morning. Wow. And before I knew it, I'm on this daily schedule of mm. amphetamines all day, you know, mm. weed most of the day. Mm. And then drinking at night to try and get a little bit of sleep maybe on the third night if you've been awake for two nights. Mm. And I managed to ma- maintain a job. I don't know how. I'm, I mean, I thought I was getting away with it. When I think back, I must have looked like a friggin', mm. um, I don't know, like just black eye. Who knows what I look like. But Probably I, look I, like I, a train wreck. I, I had a big train wreck <laughs> for sh- at the least. Yeah. So, yeah, it got, it got pretty serious. You know, it got to the point mm. where it became a full life, lifestyle mm. where most of, you, most of my time revolved around um, – just getting on. <laughs> Did you get to a point where you were like, when it's starting to realize it's a problem or were you just kind of like instilling that kind of mentality, that Aussie bloke, just brush it under the carpet, ignore it? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think I always, I was a really conscious kid uh, and quite a spiritual kid. And I think somewhere along the whole journey, there was this conscious part of me going, this is not really mm. you and this is not really that cool. But yeah, I mean, mm. at that age, you can pull it off and get away with it. But um yeah, at that stage was sort of getting into my, you know, when I think back, it was, I got a lot of it out of the way pretty young. I was still in my mid-20s mm. at the pinnacle of it. So I was still at an age where, you, you know, it was somewhat accepted around, but it was getting to the point where myself was, I was thinking this has got to stop. Mm. And I really remember, because I would stop for weeks at time, I'd, I'd sort of have sessions where I'd clean up and start feeling good again. Mm. I'm sure we can all relate to feel good again. All right, yeah. let's get let's get on it again. I feel great. Let's get some gear and go out. Um, so what happened eventually was when I 
really thought I really want to stop. Now mm. I really want to turn my life around, and I couldn't. And you couldn't. I couldn't. Mm. I couldn't do it, and I felt really flawed. And it was a few big events. I'd had this massive car accident. I was involved in some heavy people, and people were getting killed. People wow. were dying around me, ODing. People were getting shot. Like it was, I was Whoa. with some heavy, heavy duty scenarios dealing drugs. You know, it was heavy underground. It's hard to think mm. back now. Me, Yogi, traveling Yogi, me <laughs> being this dr- drug dealing drug lord and hanging around with these sort of heavy people. But um, when I realized mm. that this beast was bigger than me, and I was, a, I'm a pretty big beast, and I'm pretty powerful mind. And when I put my mind to things, I can do it. When I f- realized I couldn't pull out of this on my own i started getting pretty scared wow what were the symptoms that you couldn't do it on your own you just couldn't just simply couldn't say no or yeah i just simply couldn't say no you know it's just that automatic pile and what we call in yoga is just sort of our um oh our our samskaras or vasanas and which in english is these patterns Mm. that have just been turning for so long and they're so deeply ingrained that you might, you, part of you is saying, I want to stop, I want to stop. The other part of you is on the phone and at your dealer's place scoring yeah. your gear. Mm. And the, well, this little part, your soul is going, no, oh, that's, mm. dude, that's the wrong thing. The mm. other part of me is, going, is already just in automatic pilot. Yes. You know? So when that was bigger than me and, and out of my control and I realized, that, especially when all these big events were happening around me, mm. um, yeah, that's, that's when I was, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in that category. I'm in the yeah. category of I'm screwed. <laughs> I, better, I, I need some help, really, you know. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. It's a funny place, too, to be in that place of, I mean, obviously yours was a lot heavier than other people or myself, but just being in that, that space of kind of having this old belief about yourself and where you mm. are, this old patterns, mm-hmm. and then this this other part of you that wants to live a different sort of set of values and live in this different way, and you kind of vacillate between the two for yeah. some time. I think I was like this, swinging between the two for years and just yeah. feeling like, oh, no, and then, you know, two weeks, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling good. I'll be right. I'm just going to have one drink, and then I'm smashed, and then waking up the next yeah. day, I'm what the fuck? And it's just <laughs> like this full-on thing where we just – I think it's just part of all of our journey too, where we just, we go between the two for some time as well yeah. until we decide to either go into therapy or that's enough's enough. But yeah, yeah it's an exhausting process. <laughs> it's very exhausting. That's exactly right. It's exhausting. Yeah. And your body, you know, you're pretty resilient in your twenties for the most, some more than yeah. others. I was extremely resilient. When I look back, I don't even know how my body functioned after, you know, what I did to it. Um, but yeah, it mm. starts to wear down. And when your mind starts slipping, your body goes quick. Yeah. Your body starts deteriorating pretty quick. I tell you what I love about, even though you're not a yoga teacher per se, but no. any yoga <laughs> type person <laughs> yeah. that, you know, like um, Lissy and Shane Turner as well, like they've lived such a hard life before, yeah. like so much drugs and alcohol. They've just lived it. So I love going to a yoga practice or learning mm. from someone like that that's got that real life experience. So then what happened? So obviously you've decided to go into rehab or something or Yeah, it wasn't quite that quick and easy, but um <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I mean it's such a detailed story, but it was kind of one of those perfect stories of the yeah. perfect shitstorm really. There was a series of events that all happened in a matter of 6 months that really was like, you know, if you're comfortable with the word God or the spirit or whatever you look to as a guiding force, was really starting to shine the lights on me and say, here's your last few messages before you're out of here. That's Ooh, what I, that's shit, the sense I felt. Yeah, I really felt that strongly. And, um, you know, I don't know how much details to get, how much gritty detail to go into, but um, let's hear it. So I had a neighbor, I was living, we were, we, you know, we were close buddies, great friend, and we were both doing lots of amphetamines at the time. And um, I had, uh, I was in a, with a partner and I'd had a pretty big blowout argument and I punched the floor, you know, which is so symbolic later on, you know, Mother Earth and I'm struggling and straining mm. with my mind and all these things, but I won't go too philosophical at this stage. But I smashed the floor with my fist and... Right at that, I came back up and I'd smashed all and I'd broken the whole hand. And um, I came back up from this moment, sort of speed psychosis, I guess you could call it. And I went and sat on the couch and, and the, the physical pain I was experiencing just leveled out with the emotional pain that was buried underneath from all this sort of unresolved shit that was, you know, hovering and controlling my life that I didn't even mm. know. But I sat, there, sat down with a broken fist and took a deep breath and this this moment of... Cl- Ease 
came over me and it was it was actually sort of the start of a surrender process mm. for me where I started surrendering to this is the end of this mm. this road um it wasn't quite yet but um <laughs> that was a realization and I and I um realized I needed to move out from my partner because she was always you know she was also using a lot of drugs and alcohol and um so I said we need to separate and sort our lives out I'm moving out or you're moving out or something's happened. So I moved out and moved back to the Gold Coast. And um, actually, no, so I missed a big part of the story here. That was the moment when I, you know, I realized the turnaround was coming. But um, my neighbor had been waiting on a, a huge payout from a motorcycle accident from a number of years before and received this payout of about a quarter of a million dollars. So you partied. So we had a big, fat, with me with a broken fist, so I couldn't work. And we had a big old fat bender for probably a couple of months you know months yeah it was pretty it was pretty extensive and um, we we managed to spend probably majority of that money on all sorts of things and oh, um no and shortly after so that really pushed me to the end of the limits and i moved away back to the gold coast where my parents were and um i wasn't living with them but i was back there and we had a close family friend who was a clairvoyant astrologer therapist that I'd been seeing on and off over the years and she was friends with my parents she'd work with high class business people she was pretty incredible you know so she was in the field and I'd seen her a few times and she was sort of seeing what was going on and anyway this is a pretty significant moment I remember being with a friend uh waiting uh, you know we we were (laughs) waiting to score one afternoon I was lying sort of half asleep on the couch and my phone rang and it was this woman and uh she said what what are you doing and I was like nothing (laughs) why don't you come over and visit right now I'd love to have a chat with you right now and I was sort of in the daze and I really remember this clearly and I said okay which was unusual I'm like, I'd usually be like no, no way we're not going anywhere until we get on we get partying you know so I drove over there and she had a boyfriend who'd just come out of a rehabilitation program you know this um, Lithuanian guy I think and you know he's probably in his late 40s and she called me over there and we just chatted and it was just like this big thing had shifted in the world, like the universe. I'd sort of had this surrender going on and this was trialing me out to see if I was going to actually go with this guidance. And um, we sat down and, and chatted and I shared more of my story with him and he shared his story and he said, I've just been through this incredible and incredibly intense rehabilitation program. How ready are you? And I was basically like, I'm fucking ready. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm ready to do anything at this mm. stage. And he said, well, there's a six-month wait list. But if you are really 100% ready, I can get you in there at the end of the week. Oh, shit. That's like And it. I just, before I would even sort of consider anything, I said, yeah, let's go. Oh, wow. So he, that week he took me under his wing and took me to a few NA and AA meetings. And all of a sudden I was like, this is where I need to be. So going back to the start, you mm. know, I, I want to... Um, Credit AA and NA, incredible. It was the most pinnacle beginning to the journey for me, and I think it's so pertinent for so many people. Mm. So I went into the meetings, and and, and uh, I felt right at home. I was like, thank friggin' God I'm here right now. Mm. People getting up and sharing their wild stories like me, but they've got this desire to to mm. get well and move mm. beyond all that sort of wild, crazy, you know, acting out and so forth. And um, so within the next two days, I was in detox program for four days. And then I entered this 90-day program in which I ended up spending 125 days in this lockdown. Wow. Most grueling program in the country from what I understand. Um, incredible. So that's sort of the very short story of how. What was that like? What? what? <laughs> Rehab? I have really, I actually have quite fond memories of it mm. in a sense. Not that it was like, wow, this was really great. Was, I have such memories that really the program was looking at why your drug taking is a symptom. It mm. creates its own problems for sure. It creates its own problems. But taking drugs and alcohol is a symptom that something's not right. Mm. Okay. It's a symptom. And then again, like I say, it creates all other health problems and then it creates other problems because of the shit you get into. And I've had two DUIs and they create problems, you know, all of this stuff. So, so there is that, but really there's a symptom because something's not addressed. Mm. There's some unresolved issues deep down in your system that, um, that are now controlling you and, and operating how you think about yourself and how you interact with the world. So this program was really lots of individual therapy, group therapy, 
daily, two meetings daily of AA and NA, um, making your own food that was rostered so you'd, somewhat, you'd have different roles and jobs in, the, in this rehab center. And um, it was a really well put together program. And we were meditating mm. and doing yoga practice every day. And, and had exercise. you done that before? Had you done the yoga and meditating at all before? Yeah, I, I was deep into martial arts as a kid. So I had a, right. quite a spiritual martial arts practice yeah. and I was deep stretching. So it was kind of more yogic than most yoga these days, what I was doing in my early days, I believe. Um, but that's when it really hit me that that was going to be a big part of my life from there on in. So, um, so it was hard, you know, confronting all your shit. And if you know, if, if mm. you're listeners are aware of the 12-step program, time you get into the fourth and fifth, you know, third fourth step stuff is it took me a month sitting on it and i had like 40 pages of trauma around my brother mostly but then you know all this other stuff and so it was a lot a lot to process a lot coming up and then Mm. people get coming in and going out you make friends with them and then they go out and relapse and die there was a lot going on you know Mm. there's a lot happening but in general i feel like it was one of the the biggest turning points it was one of the biggest turning points in my life that step four is that where i was just reading about it the other day is that where you write your life story kind of thing yeah yeah who i hurt who hurt me and you just start writing and then when you start writing it's unbelievable what you bring up and yeah. what you start remembering that just got shoved down in the old basement yeah and, it was uh, from in this book i'm reading this book recovery which is amazing um it's not based it's not the russell brandt one it's right. another one based on and it's not they do reference 12-step program mm. quite a lot but there he was talking about even starting at like where you were born What's your name? What's your parents do for a living? Blah, blah, blah. When you first saw alcohol, when you first saw someone drunk and then onwards yeah. from there. And they said, yeah, it can take months to write that oh, out. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it did. So did you find that beneficial? It's extremely beneficial. Mm. I, mean, I mean, just to just to sort of go in and have a bit of a view of why you ended up where you ended up was very mm. relieving. Yeah. I was like, okay, take the weight off my own shoulders. I'm not just a knucklehead. Mm. I had this stuff that I didn't know what to do with and no one helps you with it until you Get mm. bad enough that you go get help, you know. Is that something that you'd recommend for people to do, just to sit and write their story a bit? Or do you think that you need to be in, like with a therapist to do something like that? Yeah, you know, and I, work, I work with so many people now with things. that I, I really recommend getting guidance. Yeah. I mean, it's helpful to journal and write it out. Mm. But if you don't have the tools... To deal with what comes up. If you don't have the tools to reprogram your thinking processes Mm. and and start accessing spirit and this more powerful sort of deeper version of yourself, you can end up being in a really head fuck kind of a spinning Mm. process for a long time. And even Mm. with therapists, I've seen people do that. So Mm. I think it's really critical who you get help from. Yeah. And definitely get help, I I believe. Yeah. Yeah. You sit on your own with that stuff and... You don't know what part of you is doing the thinking yeah, at yeah. that stage. I do now, but then mm. I might not have. Yeah. You know, wow. Pretty tricky mind. The ego is pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And the subconscious mind, like, oof. Oh, there's so much in there. It's unbelievable. That's yeah. why we got there. We were so confused at who was talking, you know. Was it soul or was it ego? And that was that pendulum thing you were talking earlier. Mm. I saw this pendulum and it, mm. it's soul and ego. Mm. soul whispers the ego's yelling and and doing all that sort of stuff so mm. if we quieten down the soul this is kind of the whole yogic philosophy in a Can nutshell you say that again the soul whispers i don't know what i said the, um, ego. the soul whispers and the and the, the ego yells you know it's parting yeah, it's big great. it's connected well the ego's directly mm. linked to the sensory system mm. Where the soul's your heart. It's your deep feeling. It's the desire that's coming from the deeper part of you, who you're meant to be. In, mm. in yoga, we call it your dharmic path or your, your God-given purpose. Mm. The ego is what's constructed. You know, It's what you've acquired over your, from your parents and school mm. and teachers and other kids and society and all that stuff. Yep. So, um, yeah, so the idea is to really you know, quieten that ego stuff. Get to know it. It's not like you still need one. If you're in a body, you've got an ego. There's no getting around it. Mm. It's just understanding it and making sure it's not driving the boat. <laughs> yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's really the key. Yeah. Then play with it. Then it's fun. Then you have an ego and you just, you choose which one you want to be. I want to be the rock star. I want to be the yoga teacher. And you can be authentic about it, but you have to play some, to some regards with it. Um, but yeah, the pendulum of, who said it? Was that the soul speaking? Or was that my ego? Yeah. And that's when you need help. That's when you need someone else outside you that can go, I, I can tell you who's speaking right now, or you can help them find their own answers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. So mm. what happened after that? So you've obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? I, I became, this is, I'm a, I'm a proud, um, this is a proud moment, but I became the captain of the rehab. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awesome. kind of joking, but I don't know. I was, I was determined, you know, I went in there. I wasn't fucking around. I went in there and said, I'm doing this once. Because the, the recovery rate was one in 10. And that was people that have done this most intense program, mm. not the 28-day programs, which are fine. I'm like, I don't want to sound judgmental against anything here, but um, 28 days is not long enough to change your life. Mm. I mean, How long it can, do you think it, it takes to change your life? Oh, if you look at it's different for everyone. Mm. You know, this is why any, any group, anything, any group therapy, group situation, it, it's very difficult to put a number on it. Mm. They state 90 days is kind of a cycle where you can start reprogramming everything mm. if it's done well. Yeah. You know, so 90, I, th- I think at least three, four months mm. to get, uh, and I mean in a lockdown program where you're just focusing on recovery. You're not at work, you're not doing anything else. Mm. Uh, and this is just ideal. I mean, it's different for everyone. Um. So yeah, I was in there for, I stayed longer. 90 days come up and I'm like. Not ready yet. Let's do another round because you do all these classes and things and it was, I don't know, I can't exactly remember how I stayed longer, but like I said, I was just determined to do it once because yeah. it was a one in 10 success rate, even with that program. Wow. And I wanted to be that one. So I, yeah. I hung in with it. And You've got to have determination. <coughs> so, you know, I was talking with oh my, my friend Lyndall um, a couple of episodes ago. We're talking about relapse and just how there is quite a lot of work involved and daily practice <laughs> and things like that to do to make it. Because I think if you don't, if you're not determined enough to do the work on yourself, it's just inevitable that you're going to fall off the fence and there takes quite a lot of commitment. And I love what you said. I'm only mm. doing this once. Mm. Fucking awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was really committed. Um, I'd seen people go through the cycle and each time it got worse. You know, you imagine the guilt mm. of going through and you go out and you relapse again. Um, so commitment's huge. And, mm. and you know, willpower mm. is at that point is immense. Mm. You've got to really tap in and draw the deepest amounts of willpower you can have. That's why health is important at that point. Because mm. if you're sick and you're weak and all that, you're going to have a real shitty time trying to deal with all your trauma. So the idea is mm. get strong enough physically, start stabilizing the nervous system and mind. Then you can think about facing your shit. Yeah. If you go in weak and you're still detoxing and then bringing up all your childhood history, it's not a good program to do that. You know, you do it a bit more slower over time, build up your resilience so that when you get to bring this stuff up, you've got some assimilative forces. Yeah. You know, and this is sort of, I'm talking a bit more from a yogic perspective now, mm. um, from how I work now a little bit more than then. But um, the determination and the, um, and the, the willpower, you, you've got to tap into every little ounce you can get and call in everyone mm. else who can help you with that, that you can. Mm. If you don't have your own, get as much help and support as you can yeah you know that's yeah. what i suggest with people yeah because um, i have my backpack on the second night in there sitting at the fence about ready to jump out oh really the fence yeah well, i had a girlfriend you know i had a girlfriend out and there was this big drama girlfriend and she was back with an ex-boyfriend that just got out of prison and it was it was just ridiculous you ego know? <laughs> ego <laughs> yeah it was all ego. i'm like out of here i gotta go save her and, and um thank god i stayed but, yeah um, thank god you stayed yeah mm. so i did you know i um i stayed i came back out and i got really right back on track really quickly i went back to work pretty quickly which i did a lot of things that weren't advised and i wouldn't advise you know went back to people's houses and they were shooting up and i was just I wanted to face it in a different way. And like I say, I don't recommend this. Don't do this, anyone. But I did it and it worked well for me. 
um, I wanted to face. I didn't want to be scared of shit. Mm. I didn't want to walk around the world being scared of like if I ate a chocolate liqueur and it accidentally had a little bit of alcohol in it that I was going to go mad again because that's yeah. kind of what I was told. Yeah. And I was just like, that's f- I'm not fucking living in the world like that. Yeah. I want to be stronger than that. But mm. don't do that. Wait till you have years up your sleeve. <laughs> don't walk out of rehab and do that, please. But um, I did. And, um, <laughs> did you feel triggered when you went to those places? I wasn't. Or? I was so determined. Mm. I, wa- I wouldn't have done it if I did. I don't think I would have done it. I think it depends on your mindset. I remember yeah. Ash and Ash has talked about this quite a few times in the podcast. Yeah. But when we first decided to quit, within the first two weeks, he had a big show playing Jimmy Barnes was on the bill and a few other people and his rider was massive. Like, you know, like all this, the alcohol you get supplied. They're saying, Ash, which wine do you want today? And he's like, oh my fucking God. But then his sound engineer said, oh no, Ash doesn't drink. And then Ash said, it was so funny. As soon as Mugger, his enemy said that, Mm. oh, Ash doesn't drink. He thought, oh yeah, I don't drink. No big deal. And he said from, and that day onwards, it just, that's what he thought in his mind. It's like something flicked Mm. in his mind where he's just like, no big deal. I don't drink. And and he's never drunk since and doesn't feel triggered. He can be around yeah. alcohol all the time. But I think that happened with me as well where I have just went, no, nah, I don't yeah. do it anymore. That's it. End of story. Before that, you know, I'd got to that point like yourself. I think you get to this point where you're like, I'm done. Mm. Before that, you've got that pendulum going for a while. But mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, so then what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just speak to that for a second too. Yes. Because Go, yes. a huge part of it is constitution. And both you and Ash and myself have very fiery, powerful mm. constitutions. Yeah. And when we put our mind to something, we'll make it happen. Yeah. We just true. have to keep the mind focused on that thing and it will manifest. Yeah. yeah A lot of people so don't have that force. They have other qualities that are different and strong qualities, mm. but maybe not that one. And that's one that can really help you in that situation. Yeah. It's immensely, immensely. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I definitely am one of those, like, I get an idea and boom, I'm yeah, all guns blazing exactly. and I'm doing it. Yeah. So what would you say for someone who isn't like that? Um, uh, more so the ones that might need to be at meetings twice a day. Yeah, get right. Get the support of others that do have that quality. Yeah. Surround yourself in people that can, mm. they're the ones that need it. That's why everyone needs a different program. Yes. What's right for me, like I say, don't do what I did, you know, because yeah. it's not right. It may not be right for you. Um, <clears throat> but people that need to be at meetings two, three times a day, if you need to do it, go do it. It's amazing. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do. Um, but mm. there are practices in lifestyle. And this is, again, where the yogic thing just prevails. Mm. There are specific things you can do to hone more of those qualities in yourself. There are specific meditation practices, mm. specific breathing practices, specific postures and ways of moving the body and yoga nidra. Things that you can um, start to build those skills. The ones mm. that you don't have naturally, you can build them. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's also what I suggest. And if you can't do that, then just get help. You know, yeah, have, yeah. have your support crew. And if you can... I think you're right. Just being around other people. Well, for one, just being around other like-minded people. Mm. So at the moment, I'm running a three-month challenge. Yep. So I've got 30 people in this challenge and they're all in this Facebook group. No one's really met face-to-face except for the few that know each other. But everyone's there supporting each other and helping each other through. Yeah. And they're all uh, an inspiration to each yeah. other, which is really cool. Yeah. And mm. I was reading something this morning about the mirror neurons in the brain and how we naturally empathize with other people. So we'll, we'll act and behave like the people that are around us. Mm. So think quite carefully about who you are around, especially early days, maybe not later, but just being around people that, uh, or being around people that you look up to or that have done it before you. So I think that's really, yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part, you know, that, and you said that really well. It's the initial programming is where it's critical. Yes. Get yep. really grounded. Reprogram your mind. Build your strength. Build your new program. I don't drink. Mm. I don't do that. Yeah. Build that up. Get that strength and then, then you can venture out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's really smart. So before when you're talking about Dharma and being on purpose, so mm. I know that we were talking about this down at the beach and this is why I dragged you here because <laughs> you were talking about how living on purpose or finding mm. your purpose helped you stay on the sobriety track. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. I could talk about that for the rest of the week. Um, <laughs> well, mate, we are in a time limit here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the purpose part is such a huge part of the tantric tradition and it's such a huge part of the whole Vedic teachings, mm. you know. And what the Vedic teachings say um, is that each individual – is born with a specific purpose on the planet, like animals. Mm. They're part of their own ecosystem. They each have a specific purpose. They're all just going, they're all living their purpose. Mm. They're not on Instagram and getting flurried around with all the shit we are. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're simply locked into their purpose and they do it. Mm. We, on the other hand, mm. are, you know, more heightened beings. But with anything that's more heightened and more um, sophisticated comes the potential for more sophisticated dramas as well. Mm. You know, so, um, <clears throat> so the purpose part is um, it's a driving force for you to, to feel, uh, and it's even more than a feeling, but it's a deep, deep sense of belonging mm. and having a place in the world. Mm. And that is the driving force behind determination. Staying clean, mm. staying on track, doing the right thing, you know, without getting too right and wrongy here because um, that's, that's sort of a mind thing as well, but we know what we're talking about. Mm. Um, having the purpose and staying on it is something to focus your life and energy towards where you're contributing to the world. And as a, as a uh, result of contributing to the greater good, whether it's being a street sweeper, whatever it is, if you're doing it on purpose with your purpose in mind, mm. Um, it's this is a fulfillment that your mm. soul is being fed, and mm. and you're feeding the soul part of yourself rather than the ego part of yourself. Mm. The soul is far greater, far more powerful than the ego. Is that is it finding? Because I'm just trying to think how you'd know if you're on purpose. Is it mm. knowing that you're like seeing the service in what you're doing, or how do you know? There's a few different ways to look at the dynamic thing. You know, there, there there is, and in the teachings I look to, you have a specific purpose. You know, maybe you're, you're maybe if you're a singer, that's your purpose. You're blowing people's hearts open. You're, you know, you can you know when you see, see and feel a singer that's in their purpose. You just something happens, you know, mm. or mm. Um, a surgeon that that's their purpose. You know, the surgeon mm. that worked on our daughter the other week that's done incredible work. He's worked on Adele's voice box and he worked on our daughter's voice box. That's yeah. his work, mm. and thank God, you know. So he's in his purpose. You feel it and you know it. And, and these teachings say each one, each, each one of us has a specific big purpose that's for the world, mm-hmm. which is a, your dharma to the world, your service to the world. Mm-hmm. And then you have all sort of these what I call sub-dharmas. A big part of my purpose is I'm a dad now. Mm. It's huge. I'm a father. I'm a husband. That, they're dharmas as well. Yeah. You know? People forget that. People forget that. So we've, we look mm. at the dharma in all these things. Mm. And the more we can see it in the more things we do, the more we see divinity in everything. Oh you my know? God! Yes, I just had a full-on aha moment. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. and sometimes we think the sometimes it can be probably found in the mundane. Oh, it's meant to be. That's that's the hardest thing is finding it in the mundane, like you know, making your lunch. This is this is a big part of awareness. It's like yeah. you build your awareness where you're seeing divinity, mm. even in the seemingly horrible shit that's going on. That's advanced stuff. So I won't get too carried away with that. That's advanced um, sort of yogic mind stuff when you're getting mm. beyond duality. But just seeing divinity in everything we're doing wow. as much as much as you can. You know, I don't get, I don't want to get too away because the I reality is we, we've got shit and we're spinning around a lot. But if you can just see it in being a parent, seeing it in the work you're doing, if you can, especially if you can get, if you can make your work be dynamic, like find your dharma and then make it your work, that's really fortunate. But maybe your dharma is just to spread spread kindness and honesty. You can do that doing any work. That is so amazing because often people, when they're looking for their purpose or how Mm. do I find my purpose, they're Mm. kind of looking to maybe become Tony Robbins or (laughs) Elton John or, (laughs) you know. Everyone's a coach now, yeah. You know, (laughs) but there's all sorts of, well, don't say that because I do sober coaching. (laughs) Me too, yeah. I'm a coach as well, but, you know, it's true. (laughs) But, you know, like they're looking for some big, Big bang type yes, thing, exactly. you know, like with a whole lot of pizzazz or something. Exactly, but yeah. You just really opened something up for me there where it's like, yeah. yeah, it can be in the mundane or just being a parent or, yeah. 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 I've had this sort of recent, like, sometimes it's not so bad now, but like years ago, I'd get the shits doing the house cleaning and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I don't want to do this. And, um, and now I go at it with a different mindset. And this is just because I've studied cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. technique. Yep. for coaching, <laughs> but looking at it with a different spin. Yep. So looking at it though, okay, I'm cleaning to make my house beautiful for my kids and yeah. a hygienic place for them to be. And when I'm cooking, I'm doing it with love to mm-hmm. nourish my children and all this stuff. So suddenly those mundane chores didn't become the mundane chore anymore. There was yeah. so much love poured into it. And so doing it all with a, with love and purpose. And I guess that is what you're talking about maybe. Exactly. Yeah, kind it's of. a big part of what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's right. It's perspective. You know, a lot of the yoga mm. game is about perspective. And it's easy to say that. Oh, just shift your perspective. Mm. But um, 
it's that it is as simple as that. It's just not as easy to do that. But that's, yeah. it, that's exactly it. Yeah, how you see it. How, how you, you see, see it. it, the, it the whole energy around it. Yeah, I bang on about Wayne Dyer every single... I don't know if you've heard of Wayne. Have you heard of the Wayne? The name of his Wayne. He's this amazing spiritual spiritual teacher who lived on Maui. Oh, I used do to know live. Wayne Dyer, yes. And Wayne says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And it's so true. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah different perspectives. Exactly right. Yep. Oh, that was just, Huge. that was the gold there. Good. <laughs> there had to be some in there. <laughs> that was so bad. Awesome. I love that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. And so you found your your purpose, your dharma in your teaching. I did, you know, and it didn't happen like that. <clears throat> I went back out and I went building, back into building, and I just did it on purpose. I'm like, I'm going to live this queen. I'm going to get up early. I went mm. back and started training in Wing Chun Kung Fu, which I was so passionate about. Paid back all these crazy debts that I'd m- made up the previous six months. And mm. um, I just got all these things back in order. And mm. um, and then the, the yoga stuff was really big there, you know. It just felt like I was feeding soul. I, I, and I had all these visualizations where I'm like, when thoughts would come up, I'd, I, would, I would think and see, like visualize which one is soul. And I had, I'll, I'll share my thing, but I used to have samurai warriors inside. That was my visualization because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with samurais. But I would see one as being this, my soul, and one as being an the, ego. The ego. Mm-hmm. And I would say, what action, who is in my feeding right now? which one of these do I want to make stronger right now? So I'm going to go there and do that. That's feeding this guy. He's going to be winning today. Yeah. And if I go and I'm doing this and this is a bit more wholesome and I'm resistant towards it, but I know it's feeding this guy and I'm going to feel way better. And I started just doing this thing, you know? Wow. Um, and it turned into the yoga stuff eventually. But um, so, yeah, so I was back building and I then I, it wasn't long after I started teaching part-time and, Actually, no, I started teaching that very year. In re- I started teaching in rehab. That's where I started teaching really? yoga. Yeah. Wow. Because I was super flexible. I could do the splits and everything, and I'd done poses, and that's all ever, most people were teaching with yoga anyway is deep stretching and breathing, and I had that dialed in for many years before. So we just mm-hmm. sort of started calling them yoga poses. And, um, and then it was a couple of years later, I dove in, um, did a nine-month, sort of the most intensive thing in the world I could find again, you know, the, a nine-month yoga training here in Byron with yoga arts and did that. And that was really this, uh, again, the beginning to the next level. But I kept building up until a few years ago, full time. And I was teaching part time. Wow. When I knew mm. the teaching was my dharma, but I just had to also, I had a lot to still get through to make it be my full time. I had a lot of study I went and did and went and put myself through Ayurvedic school and did the most intense training in the US. And, mm. you know, I wanted to be a master of my craft before I wanted to go and mm. jump into the, May start marketing it too much, you know. I wanted to be a master of it before I got it out there, and, and now it feels really wholesome. Yeah, that is. And now awesome. it just and, and I started doing my best to see my dharma in building, and what it ended up being was I was sharing these yogic teachings to a lot of guys that wouldn't normally be open to it. You know, I'm riding dirt bikes with them, I'm surfing, I'm as a foul mouth as anyone. Mm. I'm, I can be a bit of a rough nut on the building site. You know, I don't potentially look like a normal yoga teacher, I guess, whatever that means, but I've been told that. <laughs> but it was linking more and more men and their wives yeah. were coming to my yoga classes, but they'd see me, you know, dirt biking and like, oh, this doesn't have to be a renunciate program. Mm. I can learn all these skills of life and still ride dirt bikes and still train in MMA and do all that shit and be a musician but I can have a spiritual practice as well, which can help me be more wholesome in life. Yes. So that was how I started seeing being a builder because just being a builder was pissing me off. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> yeah. was keeping me from my dharma and I struggled with it for a long time. Yeah. You know, but I did it. I had to make money and It's teaching. like the proverbial housework. Yeah, dharma exactly. Yeah. I, and, and by the time I got to the point where I could see the dharma in it, it all shifted and I got all these offers to come teach, you know, in different parts of the world. And I'd been doing it all before, but it was all part-time. And then it just opened up to another level. So. Isn't that funny? When you surrender and then it's like, <laughs> then the grace comes too. Exactly. It's like, ah, oh, right. For uh, us fiery people, that's one of our big lessons too. We've just yeah. got to sort of let it a little oh, bit, find yeah. the sweet spot. Because we can just tend to push and... Oh my God, yes. And then we push up, and then we push up against the, you know, the, we've got yeah. to go at the, the speed of the universe. Why isn't it happening? Not our own today? speed. Yeah, I still do it. I, I've got to watch it every day. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you an Aries? <laughs> I'm not an Aries. I'm, oh. a, I'm actually a lot of air signs, but the fire's in my, in my nature a lot. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Now I'm a Libra as far as uh, Western astrology and I think a Virgo in Vedic astrology. Right, oh, so is Ash. <coughs> um, yeah. yeah, right. So I love that, becoming the master of your own craft, which is mm. probably what I'll call this episode. Um, it's so awesome. And having more men like you, and I say this every time I have a, a blokey bloke on, <laughs> although I wouldn't call you blokey bloke, but you're on the, yeah. But I can like, be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, with Shane Turner um, from the Yoga Shack, it was yeah. so beautiful to have him on and because yeah. he's such a strong man, mm-hmm. yet he can be so soft and beautiful and open and he helps men to tap into that, yeah. which is really important, I think, in these Absolutely. in these times for men. Yeah. To learn to tap into that softness without without the use of alcohol or drugs. Yeah, yeah, it's a powerful part. That's a thing I think that's missed seen too. It's actually a really powerful place to be. Yeah, in that soft openness. It's it's more powerful than a lot of driving ego force. That's for sure. Totally. Yeah. And I think the more men that can see that and understand that and go, actually, there needs to be more people like you and Shane and people like that just out just spreading that message as well. I know you're busy doing other stuff. But oh, we're doing it. It's happening. It's happening pretty rapidly in the in the, in the the uh, my industry. Yeah. So, you, well, firstly, I'm going to talk about your courses that you've got coming up. But sure. to kind of wrap up, how do you feel like life as a whole, obviously, has been great for you having got mm. rid of the alcohol? If you mm-hmm. hadn't have got rid of it, the alcohol and the drugs, where do you think life might have taken you? Oh, it's pretty clear that I would have been dead within about a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clear I don't think I have I don't think I see any I don't think I could have gone on I'm too much of an ex- well I was extreme. definitely too acting out on a, as an extremist you know I'm just gung-ho at whatever I do so if you mm. turn that into that field I don't think I had long ago wow something crazy would happen yeah that's what I feel that's I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah well do you hear from that clairvoyant friend she passed away from alcohol no she didn't she she was an alcoholic a lot of clairvoyants <gasps> are uh chain smoke cigarettes they can't oh. shut the channel off. They don't have control of their special powers, so they drink to shut it off. Oh, a lot of them, a lot too. Uh, so unfortunately, she was drunk and fell down a pool and hit her head and passed away probably Shit. five or six years ago. Yeah, so oh. I don't, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would be definitely in touch with her. Damn, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah. If you could go back in time and talk to your young self, mm. say late teens, mm-hmm. if you were sitting there with young Brad, what would you say to him? What advice would you give him? <laughs> Well, being where I am now, I would just say it's you're going to be okay. Just hang mm. tight, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Live the life. You know, I, I don't know if I'd change anything. I was going to say, would you change anything? <laughs> There's a few worky moments, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I'd want to. I don't feel feel like I have regrets. Yeah. Everyone who comes on says the same thing. I wouldn't yeah. change a thing, except for a couple if they treated someone really badly or yeah. something like that. But even that, there's a lesson in that. And oh, there's for sure. Oh, you yeah, know, I've, I've done some horrible things. You know? Yeah. And I could get, I could say things that I'd say, you know. I mean, there's a whole lot I could say, but um, knowing that each person has a journey and it is part of their journey and the traumas are part of that. Mm. The grit, the grime, the shitty things I've done, the shitty things that happened to me all brought me to the, to sitting here with you right now talking about this. So I, why would I change that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about what you have got coming up because you've got some pretty yeah. exciting courses. Yes. Um, yeah. I t- every, last year, everything went online, you know, it was mm. well, and it was amazing how well it went. I was really, really blessed and it um, blew up. And I, I um, so I teach a lot of, I have seven different five-day intensive trainings that culminate in a, an advanced 300-hour Yoga Alliance certified program. But, you know, if you're not interested in Yoga Alliance stuff, uh, um, it's not that important. It's more of a life program on how to utilize all these Vedic arts, including Ayurvedic, uh, Ayurveda and Ayurvedic medicine, mm-hmm. um, the, the yogic sort of philosophies and thinking and all those processes. So, uh, And all the tantric stuff, which is talking about energetics of life and your body's energetics and, and soul and all sorts of stuff. So uh, I map them out. I do these five-day programs online. I will be doing some in person this year. I have one next week, which is my foundational program called the Ayurvedic Yoga Specialist. It's online. Uh, Monday the 1st to Friday the 5th. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have a couple, a few more periodically for the first six months of the year, different five-day trainings, mm-hmm. which you can see on my site, which I guess we'll mention. Do, do you have to be a yoga teacher to do your courses? Thanks for asking. You do definitely do not. You, mm-hmm. you just have to want to have a desire to learn these unbelievably powerful, incredibly transformative teachings. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. And you show up. That yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're for everyone. 
Yeah. I'm trying to not even call them yoga because I just want more regular people in there because even when people come in that aren't yogis, they're like, why isn't everyone learning this? Mm. It's life skills. It's it's the most. Is that what you'd life call it? So let's give it. A, if we're going to give it another name right now and take yoga out of it, what would you? I've just rebranded. and I'm calling myself re, uh, Inner Revolution. Mm, that's nice. It's Inner Revolution. It is mm. Inner Revolution, and in, embodied wisdom is what I call the training program. It's the embodied mm. wisdom um, training program. Wow. And it's for Inner Revolution. So if you want to change your inner world, which will change your outer world, then that's what we're doing. Wow, that sounds yeah. perfect for a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Yeah. So that's oh, really cool. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's 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 so powerful, especially if you're dealing uh, with, with struggles with alcohol or anything, eating food, sex, the, any of it, any sort of struggles. This prog- These programs are about becoming more powerful than that. That's wow. what they're about. Yeah. And being more knowledgeable and more powerful. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I think it's so great that there's people like you teaching this stuff. So, Lissy also does a dissolving patterns with similar thing where it's a 21-day thing and people are in there learning how to dissolve their patterns and mm-hmm. it's another great program. And there's some that's the beauty about being here in this Shire. Mm. But what's great is you're doing this online so yeah. you don't even have to be in the Shire. You don't have to be here. No, I was amazing. I had so many people from Europe and back in the States yeah. again because I spent 18 years in the States. So a lot of old students were jumping back into trainings and Oh, that's great. It's great. I want these teachings to spread everywhere, Any, anyone to mm. access them, and um, I'm making them super affordable so more people can benefit from them, really. That's, that's my goal. Awesome. Yeah. So if someone wanted to reach out to you to sign up, so I can, I'll can i put in the show notes your website and right. your Instagram handle. Perfect. What is your website? It's bradhay.com, very creative, B-R-A-D-H-A-Y.com. That's easy. It's pretty simple. And... What book are you reading at the moment? Ah, oh, it's called the Sundaria Luhari. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> I don't read anything unless it's an Ayurvedic tantric or yoga book. I really don't. You know, I uh, only read for knowledge. Uh, it's a book on Sri Vidya, which is the tradition I'm initiated into, and it's uh, it's it's subliminal. It's it's unbelievable. Is it? Yeah, it's sublime. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I couldn't say I'm going to read it, but. <laughs> Give it a go. Maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's uh, it's an incredible one. Very well. And super inspiring, I think, for people. And yeah, I think if anyone's looking to go deeper, I think definitely reach out to you and check yeah. out what courses you've got. For sure. And I work individually with people. Okay. I'm a awesome. coach as well. I'm a spiritual awesome. coach. <laughs> spiritual coach. So I work with people ayurvedically. I incorporate all the teachings. So um Wow. Yeah. So I like to incorporate the courses and then we work individually, which is a great sweet sort of way to do it. Fantastic. Mm. Wow. All right. That's awesome. Thank you, Brad Hay. So welcome and thanks so much for inviting me on your fantastic show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, guys. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.